Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Inside the Cage Hoops. This is your man, Jerome Span, And of course, we've got the legendary, the one and only. Yo, it's your boy Mace here, you know, for the first time. I'm ready to get into it. Ooh, I like it. I like it. It sounds pretty spicy. So, Mace, for those that don't know, why don't you tell the people a little bit of something about yourself? Ah, uh, man, you know, uh, me and Jerome have been friends for a while now. You know, I'm sports advocate. Listening to the show, we've been friends for a while. He asked me on to do this basketball part, you know, say I'm here, drop my knowledge on you, let you know what I'm about. He's the, he's the man, y'all. Y'all don't even know it, though. But getting into things, so Mace, all right, so the NBA season has gotten kind of full, you know, into it and everything. Everything's looking pretty good there. You know, there's some teams out here that have had surprises. But the one thing I really want to know to start this show off with is just simply right now, if you had to pick an MVP, Mace, who is it? Who's the man for you right now? Because there's quite a few contenders, but who do you think is the one that really deserves it? So I got a little list here of my early season possible. So you hear I'm going to start out with Luca. You know, uh, you got the Joker up there in Denver doing his thing. LeBron, you have to put him in there, bro. He's just consistently great all the time. And – before the injury, bro, KD, and now you got to look at Harden, bro. He's been playing ultra efficient. Like, he's the reason that offense is going right now. But if I had to put it on anyone, I mean, I'd probably say you got to go with, with uh, Jokic, man. I mean, really? the best record in the league right now, bro. I mean, a big, big dudes just don't get enough love when it comes to MVP votes, man. But, okay, so let me ask you this, though. Um, there was a couple of surprising things, but, you know, we'll get to those in a second. I just want to ask this. So you would take Jokic over Embiid? I'd take him over Embiid. So like, wow, okay. I feel like he can get his team more involved in the game than Embiid can. Yeah, I, Embiid's the better. He, he's the one you want taking the shot on, on his team. Mm-hmm. But – to get his team involved, like to to have your team get to that next level, or yoke it to the better prospect, in my opinion. Yeah, you know what? I I don't disagree with you in that sense because I I, I understand what you're saying. Jokic is a guy that consistently you know he's going to make his team better night in and night out, right? You know that what's going to happen is that Jokic is going to, even if he doesn't put up a bunch of points, he's going to make the four other guys better. Like, we we actually had this conversation the other night, right? And I, I said to you then, hey, Jamal Murray is a product of Jokic being as good as he is. You know what I mean? Because Jamal Murray has kind of shown us all. Oh, he's not yeah. really as good as what he, um, what he looked like in the bubble last year, right? But – Jokic allows him to get off in those ways. But the thing that I think surprised me the most about everything you said there and in all of your candidates, so you have no love for Donovan Mitchell in this situation, even though how good Utah's gotten off to a start in. No. Really? No. So what, what's your issue with Donovan Mitchell? Because I know what mine is. You know how I am about efficiency, but what is your issue with him? Because personally, I don't believe in anything they're doing until they get to the playoffs. So it, it, to me, it's one of those things that – what me, exactly is your issue? It's the same thing, man. It's the it's the efficiency deal. Like he doesn't go out. I don't feel like he goes out there and carries his team with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. He's great, but he's not being as inefficient as he is, and not being able to drag his team to the finish line. 
that's where I can't put him in that category. So the people have an understanding for what your definition of like elite and then great is. So who are the elite level players right now in your mind in the league? Right now, elite, I'm going LeBron, mm-hmm. Harden, and KD. Mm-hmm. I mean, since Harden's been with the Nets, bruh. Absurd. But uh, I got them three right there. And then I got, uh, I'd probably say you got Jokic and AD when he's out there healthy, too. And I mean, there's a lot of. Kawhi really hasn't. I don't. I don't know. It's weird. I feel like he. He's really good. Let me turn my notes. He's but, really but good. I think your question is: but Is, is he okay. as great as what people believe? Right? No, I, I, don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so because up until this point with the Clippers, he's been in a. Uh, he's come. He's been in a system. And now with the Clippers, he is the system. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And That's a whole different thing. Yeah, it, it's a different ball game when the team is is built around you instead of you fitting into the team or you adding mm-hmm. extra to the team. And Absolutely. his numbers aren't as good as they were or anything like that, but he just doesn't seem like the same player with the Clippers knowing that he's the man. Mm-hmm. And and not having anything to fall back on besides him and maybe PG, but okay, I'll end it there. I ain't going to say no more on him. So, so you feel like Kawhi is the type of guy that he can lead your team to a championship if you have everything else solid around him like they had when he won in San Antonio, like they had when he, <coughs> excuse me, when he won in Toronto. You oh, don't yeah, think he's – you think he's get- maybe – he he he's like the the level right below right below like we were talking about like the great players right so you don't think that he's actually elite no i don't think he he's right there under like he's he's got to show me with the clippers that he can overcome their shortcomings very fair point very fair point because you know one of the one of the bigger questions i've had with Kawhi is that have we already seen the best of Kawhi Leonard? Because, you know, those the, the knee injuries on top of knee injuries, that's not going to get better, and he's only getting older. It's not like we saw Kawhi Leonard as a guy that came out of college after one year. He was at, uh, what was it, San Jose State or whatever for, what, three years? Or San Diego State, excuse me, for like three years? You know what I mean? And yeah. So, I, I, he's not young. He's only getting older, and old guys with knee problems, we, we all know what that means. That's a problem. Oh yeah, it's a problem. Like knees go out, man. You luckily for him, he has a high skill base to fall back on. But the knee problems, man, that's that's no good. No, that that's no good. And I don't think either of us actually need to discuss Paul George because we all know how Playoff P is represented in the Inside the Cage brand here. Because uh, <laughs> we know he, uh, <laughs> whoo, he turned into a different dude in the playoffs, but. Regardless of that, though, I mean, it, it is what it is. Hopefully, we'll see something good here. But I have to ask you, you brought up the Nets earlier with Harden and with um, KD there, right? <laughs> so, I, I agree with you. They are correct. They have two of the more elite players in the league. Absolutely, 100%. But I have a serious core issue with them 
is that they play zero defense. So do you actually feel that this team can go and win a championship with the fact that they play no defense at all? The thing, I don't think the defense will be their downfall. I think it's going to be their minutes played and whether or not their coach can adjust in a playoff series. I mean, we know D'Antoni can't. He's on the staff. We know that. So is Nash going to be able to? Like, is D'Antoni in his ear? Like, what's going on there? Because, I mean, but we've anytime seen, though, you come to a series with KD and Harden, you you got it. Mm-hmm. I think the minutes played leading up to the playoffs and in the playoffs is going to be there. Is going to be a bigger detriment to them than their lack of defense or lack of depth. But depth. we've seen or over time, though. But we've seen over time, though, that you have to be able to play some type of defense. You have to be able to get some stops. And my issue is is that I'm looking at them right now is that they're just they seem like a little bit better of what the Phoenix Suns were because, you know, they just score a bunch of points. They don't stop anybody. And we know in the playoffs when the game slows down and you got to start winning in the half court, if you're not able to get stops in the half court, how are you going to win? So so I present to you like this. Okay, let's say they run up against um, Philly, right? And I know everybody's loving Philly, but Philly can match up with them size-wise very well because they have um, Ben Simmons and they have Tobias Harris, who are both guys that can move their feet and that are long athletic defenders, right? So you can kind of start nullifying a little bit of what you have to deal with from Harden and from KD, right? So Kyrie, Kyrie, we both know he's not efficient enough to scare you to say he's going to put a team on his back for a playoff series win. But the issue now for Brooklyn is who the hell is going to guard and beat in that series? Oh, they have no one. They and so he's going to go for forty every night. What's going to ha- ha- What are you going to do? How do you stop anything? You can't outscore everybody every night. So that's why I ask you: How can they win a championship without playing any defense? Say, so don't get me wrong. Like I understand the defense. Defense is an issue to me, and it, it should be anybody watching watching them play. But if I had to tear, like if I had to put a tear on their problems, defense mm-hmm. maybe two or three. Like I said, the minutes played because when they're not on the floor, what do they got? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> like, what do they got when they're not on the floor? Like, um, Harden on the floor by himself. I mean, who is he passing the ball to? Same thing with KD and Kyrie. Like, who's out there to help them when they're not on the floor? Mm-hmm. So, no, you know what? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I think the the culmination of the two issues. I think you did you did present that very well, and I have to agree with you on that. The culmination of those two top issues, I think, is going to prevent them from getting anywhere. And I, and that's why I can't look at them personally as a championship team at this point. Because if you don't play any defense at all, what's going to happen on the nights that your shots aren't falling? Yes, we understand that you guys have three of the more prolific scorers currently in the league, right? We know you have three guys that can fill it up and go 50 any night. But we've even seen with nights with the Warriors, right? What happened when, when the Warriors had Steph, KD, and Clay? There were some nights where KD just had to take the ball and go crazy, right? So it happens. So you, sometimes you need somebody that's just going to go make shots and, and get some stops, and I don't think they're going to do it. But on that same note, another team that's been out here balling is the Utah Jazz. And I'm going to tell you personally – I think they are frauds until they make it to the playoffs 
and do something there because I've seen too many teams like you know what they remind me of, Mace? Truthfully, you know exactly what team they remind me of? The Dirk uh, team that lost to the Warriors. You remember that team? Where they were like, they were, they were yep. such a good team. They were balling. You know, Dirk was having a career year. He wins the MVP. And then they get in the playoffs and they go up against a team that's like, for all intents and purposes, had more talent than them. And they got their asses whooped. For me... I think of the Utah Jazz as the team you want to play in the first round of the playoffs. You're not really scared of anybody. Like I said, Donovan Mitchell isn't going to drag his nope. team with him. He's wildly inefficient. He's going to take a lot of bad shots, and he's going to drag the team down. But he, they're that team that you play in the playoffs, and you're like, okay, it's playoff time. We got to ramp it up a little bit. That's who they are. They're going to give you enough of a, of a fight to, to let you know, like, regular season's over. Let's do it. But I don't think they are any better than maybe the second round of the playoffs, maybe depending on their first round. So matchup. even if they get the the one seed in your mind, do you think they're going home by the second round, no matter what? Yeah, second round at at furthest as they're going. If like I said, if they're one seed, second round is the best they got. See, I I think they can get to the conference finals, but that's. <sighs> You know, I think that's it for them. I don't think they can go anywhere else because the late people I know are some people want to start pushing the panic button on the Lakers right now, right? And they want to, oh my God, what's going on with them? Like our boy, you know, Smokey always wants. He's starting to come on, man. I want to see them get right. But let's just be honest here: the Lakers are without two of their top four players right now. Shooter came back last night. Shooter came back oh, last finally, night, and their offense looked completely different. He finally came different. back last night, okay. Yeah, he came okay. back last night. So night. now they're still missing. And they, and they crewed. Yeah, and now they're still missing one of their top four players. Anytime any team is missing something of their top four players, especially two of them, they're going to struggle. You can't miss your t- guys in your oh, top yeah, four. Sure. The league is not how it used to be, right, to where teams used to go – nine, ten deep on the bench, right? Now, great teams, really, they're about eight guys at best, right? Say, seven, yeah, yeah, yeah seven, that, that, that's about it, because you're going to have about two guys that really come off the bench for you and do something, and the rest of these guys are, for all intents and purposes, bodies to make sure that your guys can get some rest. So, that's yeah, about so, it. so I, I don't – I can't view Utah as a team that can win because – who the hell is going to get a bucket besides Spider Mitchell in the playoffs? Who the hell is going to do it? Can you tell? Because look, Joe Ingles is good, but he ain't no bucket getter. Right, like he, he's aesthetically pleasing mm-hmm. because he hustles and plays yep. hard. But he's the perfect player for Utah. Who are you going to give? Him, are you going to give him? Say, are you going to? Are you going to give him the ball and say, "Hey, bro, make something happen"? No. Gobert is all intents and purposes just somebody that catches alley oops. I mean, yep. does he even have a post move? <laughs> you know, I think that's the one thing that's really irritated me about Rudy Gobert for a couple of years now is that, my man, how have you not just developed the, the ability to really just go down there and catch it and kill him with the hook shot every time? You are taller and longer than everybody else. You could be out here careening people, and you're like – you don't even have the ability to do that. It bothers me. I really, really hate that. Um, but to the greater point, though. But Julie, not to go off topic, but that's what really kills me about big men now, man. They just – their post moves are, for the most part, non-existent. 
who's the one that really irritates you the most about that? Dwight Howard. <laughs> Why Man, Dwight Howard? Dwight, because like he was such an athletic freak that he had everything available to him mm-hmm. to not maybe maybe like a twelve foot jump shot, nothing more than that. If you if you if he can make a twelve foot jump shot, there was no way a five. And half the fours in the league could have guarded in the post. Because if he can stand you up front way, get you a jab, uh, pump fake, he's at the basket, and nobody's going to contest him at the basket. Like, what, what do you do in that situation? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, I agree with you because that was one thing that, that really pissed me off with Dwight Howard was once he had got – because, like, when they got to the finals, uh, Mace, I thought that, all right, Dwight just saw – that what he does is not good enough to win a championship. So I was like, okay, he's going to take his game to the next level, right? I was never one of these people that hated Dwight Howard because he was the friendly guy. It's like there's nothing wrong with being friendly, people. Like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Not everybody has to be this, the tough guy who hates everybody, and I'm a killer and all of this. It's like, oh, that shit is way, way overhyped anyway, right? But that is something that totally irritated me with him because you're right. If Dwight Howard had the ability to pull you out to 12 feet, he's unguardable. Because then, like you said, he pump fakes you, the guy's in the air, and it's over. He's, he's too athletic. Even still at this point, he's too athletic for somebody to guard him, but he doesn't have a jumper. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. For me, personally, if you, if you want to know who it is, it's Big Cat. Big Cat is – he's my guy now that I'm, that I'm going at because I didn't see that this dude is soft. He ain't no dog. Okay, Mace, I don't think, as a matter of fact, Mace, I'm going to make this statement right here and clear and tell me if you think I'm wrong. But there ain't a damn player on them T-Wolves that is a dog, not one of them. Oh, no, they all they all just there to collect a check and, and say they in the league, man. I, I, it disgusts me with Big Cat, man. This dude is supremely talented. And how the hell is your team so bad if you're that good? And – to that note, when he was when when he was in Kentucky, mm-hmm. Calipari purposefully made him play in the post just to get him a little tougher. You know what I'm saying? Like we, he went to Kentucky with a mid range, with a with a nice jump shot and all that. Mm-hmm. And Calipari saw what he had and saw what he was lacking, and he still lacks it. He he does he does not have that dog in him that that fight to say, I'm oh. gonna take you one on one and win. Whenever I want to. Yeah, I, the thing that bothers me the most about him is that it's like he plays like he doesn't realize he's seven feet tall. You know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, you are seven feet tall, homie, and you're athletic. That means there's only maybe a handful of guys in the league that should be able to guard you, right? A handful. So why is it that you're not putting up like he should be putting up w- w- with the fact that D'Angelo Russell's hurt for them, right? And that they don't really have anybody outside of him and D'Angelo Russell. He should be putting up MVP numbers. But when we talked about the MVP at the start of the show, did either of us even mention him? No, not one bit. No. I didn't even that that team in general didn't even cross my mind. And it's ridiculous that it that he doesn't 
have that much of an impact on the game that he doesn't even cross your mind when you're talking about best players in the league and guys that could potentially be MVP. In a season to where they technically had what they needed, right? Cat, you're supposed to be a number one. You're supposed to lead your team somewhere right now, and all he's leading them to is more L's. I, I mean, it's it's really crazy to me. I don't, I'm not impressed with with Big Cat. You know, now that it's been a few years of him being in the league, and it's like, oh wait, my dude, you really haven't gotten better, and your he impact really on the game he is just, still not anything more. Okay, his skill set is the same as it was when he came into the league. Like mm-hmm. he can he can face you up and hit a jump shot, but he he. You see flashes of him when he uses his athleticism to win, or you see flashes of him where he he may go up and get a board over. Like you can do that every single possession down the floor. Yep. Like you, somebody on you your know, team uh, should be wide open when you get the ball in your hand every possession. Yep. You know, Charles Barkley said something uh, on Inside the Inside the NBA the other night, right? And I don't think it was the other night. I'm sorry. It was like last week, right? But he made a great point, and he said, look, I may have bad games, but there are two things I'm all, I was always going to go out there and get at you with. I'm going to go out there and get boards and some points every night, okay? I'm going to kick your ass in both of those. You may come at me. You may score more than me, but I'm going to make sure I kick your ass in them two categories every night. And my problem is, is I look at a dude like Cat, and I say, "What the hell are you dominant in? What do you do for your team?" Yeah, like at, at, I don't see you doing anything. At this point, you you, I mean, what Kevin Love was for the cat for the um, T Wolves, I mean, is is the type of numbers that Cat should be putting up, if not better. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. Kevin Love was was. Yep. He should be putting up more. He should be, like I say, he should be doing more because Kevin Love understood he was the number one option. He called his number more often than not, and mm-hmm. he got his. Like he, like I said, the team wasn't going nowhere. He got his, <laughs> and it's like, Cat, yep. you're twice as good as this dude ever will be. Go out there and ball and and force teams to come at you in a way that you can. Get a dude open. You can see some shit like that because now that you over here doing your thing, somebody might, you know, I might be the last piece that they missing. And bam, one free agent turns into two. Two turns into a nice little bench. Now, hey, playoffs. Easy. Yeah, I guess that's my issue with him is, like I said, he just doesn't seem to really have a – nightly impact on the game that he should with the talent level and and athletic ability and size that he has it makes no sense it doesn't to be perfectly honest with you um i don't like to make these type of statements about guys but i don't feel like he's a winning player i don't i don't feel like he's a winning player i and i know that's a hard indictment to to say about a young guy like that right but see the guys that are winners you see that they get better. They start making more of an impact on their team, right? Like for instance, like for he's instance, not doing that at all. Everybody kills Kuzma. Everybody, mm-hmm. but his defense, rebounding, and assists have all gotten better. Mm-hmm. All those things that you need a 
third or fourth option. You need the first dude to come off the bench. Those are the things that you need him to do. And I think for a lot of people, you know, rebounds and, and, and assists and stuff, that's not the sexy stuff. All these people fall in love with the points, but that stuff matters. Draymond Green is going to get his jersey retired by the Warriors because he was doing rebounds and assists and steals in hard defense every night. Okay? So that stuff is valuable. Hell, Dennis Rodman's in the Hall of Fame because that's what he did every night. Yeah, and, every and, night. And Dennis was going to give you defense, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. And nobody can refute his resume because you knew exactly what you were getting every night that he stepped on the court. And it's like, so uh, back to the topic, though, it is hard to, to see a young dude and be like, man, he's not a winning player. But if, if a dude's skills don't progress, then, I mean, there's really not much you can say otherwise because your individual skill is what you're doing off season, days off, all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if you're not progressing, then that just means you're, you're you're comfortable with where you're at. You don't mind losing. You don't mind bad teams. You just like to say you're just there to collect a check. Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Um, I, I guess I look at it and with, like I said, with guys like Cat, you to me are a disappointment, and you need to get better, man. You got to have more of an impact on the game because if you're not out here having a, a greater impact, what good are you really being the highest paid player on your team? What's the purpose of that? But hopefully we'll see some more development on him. Who really knows? I mean, it's Minnesota. They're kind of like the cesspool now. You remember like when the Wizards and they had yeah. like McGee and the, and the veteran on the team was Andre Blatch. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that was their veteran leadership was Andre Blatch. Um, I feel like that's the point that Minnesota's at. They have some guys that are more talented, right? And, and – the Wizards had guys that were super talented at that time too, but they're just a mess. It is just a hundred percent a mess. There's no leadership, no nothing. And, you know, hopefully a guy like Cat can get better and he doesn't waste his career away, you know, just being okay with having mediocre results because having mediocre results shouldn't be okay. That should not be okay at all. But I don't want to get too caught up talking about, you know, guys that ain't even going to make the playoffs, guys, guys that can't even seem to get in the MVP race because, you know, he don't deserve that much of our time. But, you know, every week we're going to sit here, we're going to, uh, you know, take a spotlight to some of the NBA greats here and talk about how, you know, just basically how we feel about them in some of our memories here. And this week we're going to start it off with one of my all-time favorites, and that is – the man known as the answer, Allen Iverson. So I'm going to pass this over here to Mason. I'm going to let him take the take the wheel on this because I know I can go on for days about Allen Iverson. But Mace, um, what are some of your greater basketball memories about Allen Iverson? Man, as a Laker fan, and I say and I say <laughs> this <laughs> with a heavy heart, but when my man <laughs> hit that jumper on Kyrie and gave that nigga mm-hmm. and gave him the Step over, stare down. Listen. <laughs> Listen. At that point, I was like, I wish he was on my team. I don't care what team my team is. I want him. Because there's that. You can you can probably look at maybe three or four guys that small being able to dominate a game. 
I mean, his, his, like I said, that whole taking your team and dragging them to the finish line, he had mm-hmm. it. He, could, he took Aaron McKee and Eric Snow. Tyrell Hill, Eric and Snow. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, he took, he did for the Sixers what a few years later LeBron did for the Cavs that first time. And I think that reinforces exactly what we were talking about with, with a guy like Cat. You should be able to – like we're not asking you to do that, but you should at least be able to get your team to the playoffs. Because, I mean, we watched Allen Iverson and, and a, a great example, like you said, LeBron James, a guy who consistently played on teams that were undermanned, that, that had – if not for that best player, had no business even being on the floor – with anybody else at that time, and yet they were still were able to get their teams consistently to the playoffs, have playoff success, drag a team that didn't have any business to the NBA Finals. I mean, um, as a basketball fan, so I'll tell you, that that MVP year, I've actually been blessed with this, uh, been able to watch a lot of that Allen Iverson MVP year and just like that Derrick Rose MVP year, right, where – I really got to watch those games that year. I had NBA League pass the year he won the MVP, and it was just like watching what he did night to night was amazing because that was in a league where you could still touch a guy up when they go to the lane, you know. And like he's he, like he, like you said, he's five. He's he's really six feet tall, okay, with his shoes on, and yet this guy's going out here and having an impact on the game like he's seven feet. Yeah, two. he's six foot, maybe one sixty five, one seventy, you know, maybe. <laughs> And and my man is is living with the Giants. You know what I'm saying? Like he's he's got more fight than your center on your team. You know what I'm saying? Like first yep. off, the dude that's guarding him's got no chance. Good luck. And then to when him. he gets to the back, when he gets to the bucket, okay, you're seven footer. Cool. I'm gonna hit you with a uh, uh, layup. What you gonna do? Yeah. Yep. Like I'm, I'm gonna create a story know, real cra- quick. So eighth grade. Me and my homeboy, man, he was my, my best friend, eighth grade. His favorite player was AI. You know, me, like I said, I'm a Laker fan. Kobe was my dude. So mm-hmm. we, would always, we would always play one-on-one, right? And, you know, he over there got his sleeve on, got his Iversons on, all this. And <laughs> he used to bust my ass. Mm-hmm. And he always, like, and all he did was watch his Iverson highlights. I'm talking about he gave gave your boy the crossover, all of that. And it's like this man, he he was an inspiration for shorter dudes because they see him mm-hmm. as I can be that tall. I can be six foot tall. Six foot ain't that hard to get. You know what I'm saying? Like you you don't really I mean <laughs> I can get there, baby. Yeah, I can get to six foot. And the impact that he had just on just a regular, like I said, eighth grade kid who just, I ain't got to be seven foot. I ain't got to be six, eight. I can be six foot tall and be that good. Mm-hmm. I will say um, he is a guy that I wished that there could have been a better management around him as far as his organization because I would have loved to have seen if they would have ever been able to get him a superstar when he was still in his prime. Now, I know some will argue, oh, well, he played with Melo when he was young. 
Well, the thing was is that at that point, Allen Iverson was starting. That was like the start of the decline for him. Okay, he had what like one one and a half good years in in Denver, and then it was like the decline. Okay, so it. W- I wish you know where you look at Kobe. He had Shaq, right? Yeah. I wish Iverson just could have had somebody. I'm not saying he had to have Shaq. But just somebody that could have went out there, complimented his game, and made it easier for him to win. Because I'm gonna tell y'all something, and I'm sure you remember this too, Mace. There were some of them nights where that man had to go out there and drag them dead bodies to a victory. When your second best offensive option was what, Aaron McKee? Ugh, yuck. I mean. Uh, I'm, I really don't even know why I remember his name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because you know why you do? Because he was the only other nigga on the team offensively that was worth the damn. It's it's crazy to me to think that like <laughs> you got dudes, like you got some dudes that come into the league that just say, I don't care what my situation is, y'all gonna come with me and we gonna make them happen. <laughs> yep. Yep, uh, it, it, you know it's uh it was an amazing thing to watch him, and I will say this: um, there's a lot of people that want to give credit to a lot of the ball handlers. Now, I'm sorry, none of these guys have a have a breath on Allen Iverson because I'm gonna tell you something: Allen Iverson had to deal with it when they could contact you. Still. Oh yeah. Nowadays, a dude can't really touch you, bro. He can't really guard you to prevent you from doing all that dribbling. It's like, it's one thing that really irritates me with watching James Harden, right? It's like, in any other era of basketball but this one, you couldn't do the shit you're doing. You couldn't do it because dudes would get right up in your face. But now, because if a guy tries to play you close, you just flail your body and the ref calls a foul. Now, all of a sudden, you look extra efficient. But a guy like Allen Iverson, to me, is way more talented of a scorer than you are, James Harden, because guess what? He can do it with the contact. Like I said, this man has to – He doesn't need to flop and throw his body around. He has to fight a dude on him at the perimeter and then go get knocked (laughs) on his butt every time he went to the bucket. Every time. Yep. Yep. Uh, what is your total to kind of wrap it with Allen Iverson here? What is your outside of the Lou win? Because that's an easy one. Do you have another highlight that really sticks out in your mind of him? I don't really think so, man. Like that—that's that, that, it for yeah. me, man. That 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 <laughs> step over was just it. I'm like, man, this man. Oh, this man is dog. Like he. Uh, there's, there's some people you pull for and you wish to get them a ring. He's one of he's one of the few that I was like, man, you know what? If they would have beat the Lakers, cool. He need one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, the highlight there's there's two. Um, it was I believe it was. Brevin Knight that he crossed over crazy and made this man almost fall on his ass. <laughs> Um, so it was him. And then my, uh, my, like one of my personal favorites all time is when that man tip dunked and ended up putting his nuts on the back of Marcus, Marcus <laughs> <Kansas neck. laughs> Cause it's like, yo, he had no business sky in that high to get that tip dunk, but he did. And yeah, that was amazing. To see I mean, that that's happen. another thing. Just but like yeah, how was, athletic he was. Like 
Mm-hmm. He's stupid. Yeah, not only that, like he was an all-state football player on top of that. Yep. 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 That's a yeah. That's another thing people don't really realize about him is that he, uh, for those that don't know, he was being recruited to play Division One football at some of the bigger names in the country and being recruited to play basketball. He was that damn good, yes. Um, but Allen Iverson was an amazing, amazing, amazing player. And, you know, I, I'm glad that I got to see him. But uh, Mace, can you guess who we're going to next week? Can you guess? Who are we going to next week, bro? <sighs> Only because you my man. Next week, we will be discussing... The late, great, first ballot Hall of Famer, Kobe Bryant. Chill. (laughs) Ooh. Got the chills. (laughs) I figured that. I figured you'd like that. I figured you'd like that. Because, I mean, for those, I know for a lot of people, for a, a good generation of basketball fans, Kobe Bryant is their guy. And, you know, he's not he's not my guy. You know how I feel about him. Um, but without a shadow of a doubt, Kobe Bryant is is a first ballot Hall of Famer, even before the death. You know, oh, you know, yeah. I said this before he died and because I'm not a Kobe stand. People have to understand that about me. I'm not a guy that stands for Kobe. I'm not a big fan of his. Didn't like him when he was playing. Um you know, but I have a great respect for how great he was. I'll save my other opinions for later on because I know people are going to get fired up about it. But regardless, next week, we're going to Kobe Bryant, ladies and gentlemen. But we're going to finish this show up to this week, ladies and gentlemen. One last thing here I wanted to make sure I covered with Mace because it is an interesting situation that's going on with the East. With the Bucks, you know, not being as good as they were last year, with Brooklyn being there. As much as we did talk about those two teams, we didn't talk about the team that really has been playing the best basketball in the East consistently this year, and that is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I know in years past, Mace, that um, it has been very hard to have any trust for that team because of their lack of leadership and their coaching and the fact of the matter that um, they really didn't seem to have the right personnel around the two star players that they had. But now that team has... Um, really improved their three-point shooting. They have improved their defense. And as I said, they have a a very good um, complimentary player to go with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid with Tobias Harris. So with all that being said, do you really feel like they can end up getting to the NBA Finals? I'm not saying if they can win it, but do you feel like that they have a real opportunity this year to get to the NBA Finals. Because I'm going to tell you something. As much as everybody wants to pick Brooklyn right now, I'm not sold that KD is even going to be healthy come playoff time. Seeing what's going on with him right now is exactly what you fear when a guy's coming off of an injury where the other parts of his body start getting injured more often, right? Because he's trying to compensate. Yeah. So I'm not sold on them. So do you feel like with with the door being open for him and they have a chance in, do you feel like that they can get the job done? I think this might be their best chance if the Nets stay together to go right now. Mm-hmm. Because dudes are going to see the Nets, and in the offseason, you know, there's always going to be that one or two dudes that take less money to have a chance to win. You know, Maybe they're closer to the end of their career, and they can help the team out, give them a little bit of depth. 
you're gonna see you're gonna see a bunch of those guys go to the next probably offseason, maybe the uh, waiver wire stuff like that. But Philadelphia, to, to me, like I said, the, the three point shooting has improved. That's been their, that's been their Achilles heel. Yep. And like I said, if they can hit a shot and allow Ben Simmons <laughs> to get to the bucket, to allow Embiid to to be able to space the floor enough for him to go to work on somebody in the post. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll say this. I don't think that they should stand pat with their team. Um, I want to say a couple weeks ago, you know, catching ESPN, um, saying out of, out come reports coming out of uh, New Orleans that maybe J.J. Reddick was available. He's already been on – he's already been a part of Doc Rivers' teams. He – he would fit perfectly into their system. Another floor spacer. But what would they have to give up for him, though? Who are you sending out to bring JJ Redick in? I don't know. Like, man, that's tough. Because their team's not that deep. That not that deep. Because they are paying. You know, they're paying Simmons and B Tobias Harris, and they spent the money that they really had on the guys that they have now, like Curry. So. Who, who are they going to send out? Who do you send away to bring J.J. Reddick back in? That's a good point. I can't really pinpoint a guy or a, a situation that'll work out. But to speaking with speaking on the Sixers, though, I do think that this is probably their best chance to go because they. Like I said, they got the shooting. They got the shooting handled. We know Doc Rivers is no slouch as a coach, so he'll tact- tactically get them ready for a playoff series. Mm-hmm. So I, the Achilles' heel, the Nets. You know what I'm saying? They have no. They they can't. They can't make it in in the post. They have no. Dudes in the post to stop you. It's it's just barbecue chicken down there. They've got nothing. Mm-hmm. And for me, the Bucks. I hate to say it, man, but I just I don't have faith in them because who who's there? Who's there? If Chris Middleton is your go-to guy late, I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Like Giannis is good, but everybody in the league right now wants Giannis taking the last shot. Everybody, mm-hmm. in, if you play in the Bucks, everybody in every team that they play, I promise you they'll feel okay with Giannis taking the last shot. Yeah, he's another person that um, I don't want to give him crap for like capping out at a low level or anything because he's consistently impacted the game more for his team, right? <laughs> but that not being able to shoot a three is really killing that team right now. I mean, because they they have to do so much stuff to get him open and get him down low where he's not getting double teams right away, right? Even if without the three, if he got consistent that 16 to 18, you got to think about it. If you you have to guard him that far away from the the rim, how much easier his game becomes? Because now guys are backing up to the free throw. Yeah, that's, that's one dribble for him to get to the bucket from there. Mm-hmm. So guys are backing yeah. off on them from the to the free throw line and be like, "Hey, bro, we packing it in. You got it." Mm-hmm. So I mean, KG killed people with an eighteen foot jumper, killed him. 
Yeah, I think there is too much um, emphasis in the with people who have fallen super in love with an the analytics of basketball. And don't get me wrong, I like analytics, but analytics without context is an irrelevant thing to me. So I think too many people have fallen in love with not either taking a you're either taking a three or you're getting a layup or a dunk, and it's like no, 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 no. no there's a whole big section of the floor that's a whole bunch of value right there if you're efficient at shooting in that area. Exactly. Man. What like, matters is that you're being efficient. So I, I think he – yeah, you are right. He's a great example of that to where if he was just able to consistently hit a jump shot from that area, it would make the team much better because then now you have to have the defense collapse down with help instead of just saying we're packing the lane in on you. So I, I think that's why neither of us brought up the Bucks, though, to be honest with you, Mace, is because we both look at them as a their, – their superstar player is outrageous. He's top five in the league, right? But he's, he's but everything outside of that, we're like – As a shooter. Yeah. Yeah, but and then there's not the second player on his team is not good enough to make up for that deficiency. Like nobody, I don't, I don't think so, anybody sits here and has faith in Middleton as a second option. Hell no, I don't. Hell nobody's no, sitting bro. here saying hell. the Giannis Middleton combination is going to take them anywhere. They just need <laughs> one more piece. You know what I'm saying? Like they got two. They just need that one more guy to come in. Like nobody's really saying that. Like he. He's a good compliment. He he's got a nice offensive skill set. But at the same time, nobody's afraid of him. You're not wrong. And I think that is again where their problems are gonna come in. And I, I don't think either of us can take that team serious. Is that we know like and, and people, please understand something. If you don't learn anything from me and Mason this first episode, learn this, please. When the game goes to the playoffs, it becomes a different game. You're not running up and down the floor like you were. That's not how the playoffs is played. It is about being able to be efficient in your half-court offense and get stops. If you cannot do those two things, you are going to have problems. And on top of that, right? If you want to actually win a championship, you got to have at least one dude on your team that can go get you a bucket from anywhere. If you don't have a, a guy right now that can get you a bucket from everywhere on the floor, from the three level down to the bucket, then you are not going to win a championship. You're not going to be a real contender. And that's going back to what we talked about earlier. I think that for me personally, Mace, is where I have the issue with Utah is that they do not have a guy that is efficient to go get them a bucket in all three exactly. of those areas all the time. They have they have guys that have abilities to make shots in those areas, but not their leader, their number one guy, is not efficient enough to make me believe that they can actually do something in the playoffs. Now, like I said, I think they can get to the conference finals because their defense is outrageously good. They can almost switch everything right now with the way that they've been playing um, a lot of their lineups they're pretty much able to switch out everything right but again i don't trust uh your scores outside of spider mitchell and i don't trust that spider mitchell is going to still like be able to have a high level of efficiency come the playoffs because i've watched this guy in the playoffs and he ain't exactly efficient not at all not one bit like he's 
He's a volume shooter that, like I said, can't take his team with him. And and that's and that's going to be their downfall until either something clicks with him or they just kind of really vamp up the talent of that team. Well, see, I think this is one of the ways that the NBA owners' rules that they wanted so bad and restricting player movement has kind of been blown up in their face, right? Because that you had to give all the teams this super competitive advantage, right, where they can offer a guy X – you know, they can give the guy the extra year and give them more money and da-da-da, right? What it has also hampered is your ability to say, well, shit, I only got one superstar, but I got all this cap room. Let me go pay this dude. Now it doesn't work like that because now it's like, well, do I actually want to go there? Because I can, I'm only going to get the same amount of money everywhere I go anyway. I don't know. I think, uh, I think that's one of those, um, you know, unintended consequences that these owners have now put upon themselves. And I don't feel sorry for them. They screwed themselves. That's on them. But ladies and gentlemen, we really appreciate your time today. This is our first episode. We will be trying to bring you episodes weekly, especially throughout this NBA season. And we're going to be adding some things in. And I do have one special thing that I'm going to end the, the show with this week. And I just want to show you guys some fire out of Mace here. Because I know you've seen a little bit of it. You've seen a little bit of the gas. But let me go pour some on you. Hey, Mace. I don't give a damn what you say. Naruto still better than Man, why you got to do this to me at the end of the show? Oh. I could Because I, I'm just saying, bro. You always want it. This is your chance. You could put the argument on okay. wax. Mace. Listen, bro. Naruto's the man. Listen, I don't bro. care. Okay. I don't mess with listen. snitch, crybaby, old niggas. He has a he he has all the tools in the toolbox. What are you talking about? Like there, there's not there's not a not single no this man out here with one arm still fighting top notch dudes. So what? What, what am okay, I supposed okay, to pat okay, him on okay. the back because he chooses to be one okay, arm? But man? listen though, listen though. I'm bro, to pat he, him on the back. he has every tool in the tool shed. There's not a single thing that he's deficient in. Not a single I don't know, man. Uh, he, he he's not great at dealing with people. I tell you that much. He stinks at that. But okay, he's a ninja, bro. What do you mean, man? He's been he's been out there fighting for his What life. do you mean, Naruto's he's a ninja, bro? Life, so not hold on, hold on, bro. Naruto was out here getting bullied week after week, day after day for years, and still had a positive outtake. This nigga Sasuke had everything handed to him. He had great ability handed to him. He had a family bloodline that was dope as hell. And then he had an older brother that was secretly looking out for the nigga trying to make him be be stronger at the end of the day. And he was out here, oh, I hate the Leaf Village. Uh Uh-huh, the Leaf Village. Do you see what they did to his family, though? Look at what they did to Naruto. Okay, okay, okay. And you want to talk about bloodline? Let's not act like the Uzumaki's wasn't out there. Let's not act like they weren't a top-notch clan. Come on now. Minato, Minato Look, came. He regardless. came out the mud and was the coldest dude in the village for a generation. Like he, he still has the top numbers in the academy. Like there's nobody beat him still to this day. Best numbers in the academy. Hachi came close. So me, but that's because he's a goon. He came from a, a top-notch lineage. 
But wait, wait. So you're going to say that because he had Minoto and he had the Uzumaki bloodline, that that makes it better than the refinement that has gone on for for hundreds of years since the time of Madara Uchiha with the Uchiha bloodline? You're really I'm trying to say that? I'm not going to sit there and say that he's like his bloodline is on a level of there, but you can't sit there and, and diminish Naruto's lineage because of how prestigious Sasuke is. I'm not diminishing it, but what I... No, what I'm saying is, is that Sasuke had all all the advantages in the world and still was acting like a bitch ass nigga. That's yeah, what I'm saying. How can you dispute that? You can't tell me he wasn't acting. Hold on, but he knew the truth even after the even after the all four told him the truth. What did he do? He was still out there trying to put everybody to a permanent sleep. Because, bro, do you, do you not understand the rage you would go through if you understood the reason why your brother did something like that was because these people allowed him to do it? No, on, no. The now. reason that they, the reason that his brother did that was because them that ninja family was about to have a coup on the Peruzin entire village. And Minato, what? What? Minato was dead at the time. Peruzin could have went in there and stopped that. Yes. Really? I think so. You think so? Because I mean, I don't listen, think so. I don't think all so. All it takes, like I say, you, you don't want to, you don't want to do it that way. But all it takes is for Peruzin to go take out Sasuke's father. I'm pretty sure at that, that would have been a better outcome than to to take out the head of the coup, than allow Itachi to be like, okay, we're just gonna take out everybody and know. and and clip it, okay. clip all the heads off the snake. You know what I'm saying? Let let's look at Mar but let's look at Madara Uchiha as an example. Are you sure all those Uchiha are rational enough to just say, all right, well they killed the leader, so we gotta chill out? You really does they, that sound okay. does not, that sound like some all, stuff that the Uchiha's would be on? rational enough? Some of them would, would definitely rise up, but not all but they don't have a Mangeko to control the nine tails. That that plays a bit that plays a big factor in taking out uh Fugaku. I think that's uh so I think that's their parents that's his dad's name. That that plays a big factor in who's able to actually lead them. Cause at that point, if you take him out, Itachi's the only other dude at the time with a Mangeko. And we already know where his stance is on the village, so they may rise up and be like, hey, we pissed off and all this and that, but they didn't have the, the manpower or the force to do anything about it. But remember what the fear was from the, from everybody that made that decision? It wasn't that they were going to lose to the Uchiha's. It's just that every, as soon as the, everybody else in the world found out that they were having an internal war with the Uchiha's, everybody would come after them. So, like I say, Sasuke could be mad all he wanted, but he was acting like a bitch ass nigga, and he's not better than Naruto. Listen, Naruto listen, bro. Ever if you break this down, and in like the I guess the categories that you would say a ninja's good in, they're even in just about every case. I would say Naruto. He's he's like he's got a, obviously he's got a higher tougher pool. He can his defense is a lot better. You know things like that. Okay, but. Sasuke was out there leading the charge versus Madara. Huh? Okay, when, okay, listen, bro. When he, leading the yes. charge? Huh? 
my friend, I think you forget. I've literally just rewatched the Ninja War and uh, when, okay, bro. When they when they came about back, leading when no they charge, came brother. back to life, when they got their second life, who was leading the charge versus Martyr? Naruto until he was like, "Well, look, this plan's not going to work, so we'll try something your way." And then who was the one that had the smartest jutsu to pull out when they bruh. couldn't figure nothing out it, against listen, old girl? Listen, huh? Who was that? Who pulled out the sexy jutsu bruh, to not, outsmart her? Who did that? Smart move. Who did that? That that's a who Naruto, did it? Listen, it worked, that's a didn't Naruto it? Naruto move. That's that is right up his alley. That's the unpredictable nin number one knucklehead. You know what I'm saying? But smart move. It did. Wait, was anything else working at that time? No, that worked. So how wasn't it? Like I said, like I said, it's it's not smart. You're not gonna do that in in a battle. But when nothing else works, try it. I'm 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 just saying it takes it takes some level of genius to turn around and pull that out. Hey, try it. Nothing else works. Try it. See what happened. Nothing else I did work. Might as well. You know, I'm a huge advocate of that. I understand the brilliance behind it, but it's not smart. <laughs> like I understand the brilliance behind that jutsu being effective against a woman, but it's not smart. I that's not what that's not how I would have went into that situation. But you know what, man? None of these other jutsus has worked. Mm-hmm. I got something. We might hit him with a reverse mm-hmm. harem. Let's do it. Naruto, the idiot savant. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for taking your time here with us. I know we've taken up about an hour of your time, but that's about what we're going to go every week. So, ladies and gentlemen, we really do appreciate your time. But before we get out of here, Mace, go ahead and tell these people how they can get a hold of you via social media. All right, you can find me on uh, Twitter. My handle is Sama. you know, second Hokage, my boy. Uh, Xbox Live, Twitch, Swaggy Mace. We um we're gaming every day. If that's what you into, like I said, this is the basketball. We're talking about basketball, but if gaming is what you into, catch me on some of those. I'm there every day. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you guys already know I'm on at J Man. But yes, every week we will be hitting you for sure with our core basketball. But we will be dumping things like anime in there on you as a surprise like that. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of things that me and my man Mace got in common, and we could talk about it for hours. But we really do appreciate you taking your time here with us today. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this is your man Jerome Span. It's your boy and- Swaggy Mace. Mace. And we just want to. Th- Ooh, the man Macy. We just want to thank you here for your time, and we will see you again.